Hey there, uh, good morning. Welcome to another edition of Live Stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, Akron, Ohio. Today is September the 12th, 2021. Thanks for being here. My name is Melvin Gaines, and we're going to go ahead and get started with a musical selection to allow for people to join us online. Like Deneen, good morning. And uh, here comes the musical selection. It is uh, Anthony Brown and Group Therapy this week. Uh, he performed it live. Here it comes. Ronnie, good morning. How you doing? Hi, Laura. Good morning. Everybody's on early today. Angie, good morning. Bev Parkman, good morning. Hi. <laughs> you are ready with anticipation. Roscoe, good morning. Brother Nate. Jackie, good morning. Nate and Marnell, good morning. You guys are ready to jump on today. Very good. This week. Time for Sunday school. Ann and Larry, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Diane, good morning. Thanks for joining us. That's right, Jackie. That's right. Ready to roll. Hey, Arella. We were just talking about this this morning. It's a good, always good to praise the Lord. Always good to praise the Lord. are here. Good morning. Linda, good morning. How are you? Thanks for being here. Beth Parkman, how you doing? Good 
Amen, amen. Exactly the same from yesterday. So the forecast for the church. The miracles on the way. It's going to end abruptly. Okay, that is Anthony Brown and group therapy. Uh, this week performed live before an unnamed audience. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, that is the song and that's the music. Thanks again for the praise team providing music. Thanks, Arlen. And thank you. Yes, thank you, Arlen. Your credit where credit is due. Absolutely. Okay, <clears throat> we have a few announcements to make before we get into our lesson for today. Uh, first of all, um, please note that there will be a message online for those of you who are not in Akron and are not able to go to church uh, today. Uh, Pastor Gus has a message just called The Soul. Uh, that is the name of the message. Uh, it is available online. It will be following online in the timeline here on our Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. That will be available. Actually, it will be available in a few minutes, but it will be available um after Sunday school, you just look on uh, look online and you'll see his message. Pre-recorded. It is pre-recorded. Uh, he will be also performing that message live at church today, and church will be out outside today, outdoors. So for those of you who are coming to church, uh, dress comfortably. Uh, note that the temperature at uh, game time, I'm going to say game time, 11, 11 a.m., uh, that's the official uh, start time for church to allow people to get there. Uh, it will be... Uh, Mostly cloudy, partly to mostly cloudy, about 76 degrees, but it'll be breezy today. It's going to be, uh, the, the, temp, the wind is going to be blowing about 12, 13 miles an hour, gusting up to 26. <laughs> so what that means is dress comfortably, bring your, bring your lawn chairs, uh, make sure that you are uh, comfortable, as comfortable as possible, and take your allergy medicine, please, at take your allergy meds. Because uh, when stuff blows around, you know how that is at this time of year. It can be uh, uh, very interesting. And so, <laughs> and yes, the ragweed pollen is high. Thank you for sharing that. That is exactly right. It is very high. And uh, we want to make sure that we are not uh, uh, sneezing or causing a disturbance. <laughs> and, and we want to be comfortable, too. That's the most important thing. Um, I, listen, I take allergy medicine every day. I, I have uh, my, my, I'm blessed with uh, being allergic to grass and trees, so I have the I have the great uh, uh, dual <laughs> dual issue there with that. So I make sure that I take uh, my standard fare, a uh, little mini mini cocktail. No pills personally, just uh, everything uh, uh, liquid up the nose, that type of thing to to take care of that. And it works. It does a good job. So. By all means, uh, keep that in mind. Morning, Cindy. Um, and I see that we have people having connectivity issues coming back on, going back off. Hang in there with that. We'll do the best we can with it. Uh, just make sure that everything is uh, in order. We um, wanted to make sure that we also mentioned um, 
it's very important for us to uh, continue to do Sunday school like we're doing. Um, I've, I haven't found any other churches in the area that I'm aware of that are doing Sunday school online. I know that some churches don't do Sunday school at all. I can't tell you how much I'm convicted to do Sunday school uh, in this particular format for life. Uh, I just uh, believe that very strongly, and I want to encourage you to let other people know if they are looking for Sunday school uh, to be involved in, they are welcome to join us here every Sunday morning. We, um, we welcome that. We invite it. We think that it's always good for people to find an excuse or a reason to get into the Word especially on a Sunday, uh, because that's the day when uh, we truly are getting uh, very focused with what the Lord would have us to do with our lives, and we want to hear greater understanding about Scripture. A lot of people just don't have a great, uh, hefty knowledge of Scripture. And it, it just seems contrary to me, if you have a love for God and you want to learn about who He is, then Scripture is the key to doing that. That's really what it is all about. So I just want to encourage people. Uh, with that as well to to invite people to come and join us here we have a good time we enjoy ourselves we um we there's no there's no issues where you can even ask questions online if you want to and we can try to answer those if we can uh but the bottom line is that it's important to do sunday school so that's why we're here and with that in mind we're going to go ahead and get started and get into today's lesson in hebrews Uh, we're going to be in hebrews chapter 7 and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14 the uh, theme has been in Hebrews uh, for the audience, which is basically the, uh, the Jewish believers learning more about who Jesus is and learning more about. Uh, this is almost like a, the best way I can describe this is a, is a study. It's, it, it has the format of a sermon, and there's a lot of detail in this particular section about Melchizedek. And we'll talk about why that's important, especially in the context of this audience, as well as the audience of the Jewish Christians, why we need to look at Melchizedek and look at how Abraham, who began as Abram, uh, coming out of a foreign nation and coming uh, where he settled in Canaan, wound up in Egypt for a little while due to the uh, famine and uh, had his encounter there and how God has spoken directly to him about how he would be blessed. And the direct encounters that Abram slash Abraham had uh, were were very, very interesting. If you really read through Genesis in that section, pretty much starting at Genesis chapter 12, you can look at Genesis 11 and look at the, uh, the number of the genealogy leading up to where Abraham would take place, would be born and would be uh, grow up. But there's so much here that's so rich, and it's really important for us to look at it and dive into it and consider uh, the greatness um, of Abraham, but yet the even greater thing about Melchizedek and who that represents uh, in this particular study. So let's go ahead and get started and look at this with greater detail. It's kind of a thing I've been mulling over here, and I just want to make sure I get it right (laughs) as I do this. And try, not to, and try not to leave anything out. Uh, I think that's the key here, too. But let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we just thank you for this particular time, this day, this age, this moment where you have asked us to sit quietly now and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We thank you for your very presence this morning. We know that where more than two are gathered, you are present, and We are gathered here online together, and we are with you, and we thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you for what you continue to do in our lives. 
We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we have so much, and sometimes we just need to stop and think about how much we really do have. Even in the midst of times when things are difficult or when things appear to be a struggle, Lord, you still bless us and keep us even through those moments. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the reminder of your goodness, of your grace, of your mercy, of your care, of your love for us. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Thank you for teaching us through the power of the Spirit. We just want to give you all the praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Hebrews chapter 7. Let's take a look at verses 1 through 14. Hebrews 7, verses 1 through 14. is continuing in the theme of Christ being greater than the Old Testament priesthood. And remember the audience. The audience here are the Jewish Christians, and it's almost like they're in school. It's almost like they're in a college course, and they're, and they're learning more about who this Jesus is. And this is just a phase of that particular study. Of course, we know this is a letter that was written to the Hebrews, and I've said on, a, on more than one occasion that it's almost written out like it's a sermon or a series of sermons. And that's a, that appears to be, again, in this particular passage, exactly how it's being broken out. Uh, because we're going to focus on Melchizedek and who he represents. Now, understand something about Abraham. Abraham was blessed when he even was on his journey uh, to the land that the Lord had told him to go to, and he was blessed in many ways. He was blessed with, um, according to Genesis 13:2, he was blessed in livestock, he was blessed in silver and gold. He had riches. He had quite a bit that was given to him. How, do, how would he acquire all of these things? Well, it's because the Lord uh, blessed him. The Lord, the Lord blessed him because of his very obedience. You have to understand something. The relationship that God had with Abraham started in obedience, where Abraham, uh, Abram at the time, listened to the Lord and heard what he had to say. And so just taking that extra step of faith, he went out and left his homeland because God had told him to go. And that's a huge thing. That's a huge deal. People have to understand that that's something that's not a very, that's a, that's a very uh, large thing that took place in his life. It's a big deal. If God were to ask you to leave your house or leave your homeland after you've been raised for so many years and you had no idea where you were going or what you were doing, how significant would that be? That's pretty significant. And because Abram listened to God, he was blessed. And so we see this ongoing relationship that's being explained now in the book of Hebrews because of who Melchizedek was. The Jewish believers could relate to who Melchizedek was because it's referred to in Genesis chapter 14. It's part of the old Mosaic law, and we're going to look at that with a little bit more detail as we go further along too. But let's start reading Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. This is the New Living Translation. And the New Living Translation is going to give us a little bit of clarity, too, as we even go back and look at Genesis as well, too, in certain areas. Uh, but let's go ahead and look at this right now. Uh, Genesis, uh, pardon me, Hebrews 7, uh, verse 1. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God most high. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. 
The name Melchizedek means king of justice. And king of Salem means king of peace. Verse 3. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Now remember that and let's continue. Verse 4. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in the battle. Now the law of Moses required that the priests, who are descendants of Levi, must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel, who are also descendants of Abraham. Verse 6, But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham, and Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promises of God. Verse 7, And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. Verse 8, The priests who collect tithes are men who die, so Melchizedek is greater than they are, because we are told that he lives on. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the ones who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. Verse 11, So if the priesthood of Levi on which the law was based could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron? Verse 12, And the priest, if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. For the priest we are talking about belongs to a different tribe whose members have never served at the altar as priests. What I mean is, our Lord came from the tribe of Judah, and Moses never mentioned priests coming from that tribe. Okay, that is Hebrews 7, verses 1 through 14. So now, again, remember the audience that's being written to here. It's the Jewish Christians, the Jewish people who had been under the entire mosaic law up until the point when jesus emerged and jesus came into to being and so now there's this great explanation taking place of course these jewish christians can relate to priesthoods and what that represented and how the priests all came down through the the family of levi and notice how levi is mentioned here in the passage and notice how aaron is mentioned these are all names that these jewish christians remember and recognize but they also recognize melchizedek Melchizedek is referenced here, uh, again, as we mentioned before in Genesis, and we're going to get to that right now. So let's go back to the top, and that's why I'm going, I'm just tiptoeing through this to make sure I'm getting this right <laughs> the first time. So back to verse 1 in Hebrews, this Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home for after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. In verse 2, Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle 
and gave it to Melchizedek. The name of Melchizedek means king of justice, and king of Salem means king of peace. So the writer here is referring to Genesis chapter 14. Let's go to that. Uh, I want to just give you some context here. Genesis chapter 14. And we won't, we'll, we, we'll just give you a summary as to what happens in much of Genesis chapter 14. But back at that time, what you're going to find, if you, if you wonder uh, what's happening, there had been a war that broke out in the entire region um, where there were different kings of different uh, areas, not just little uh, city-states, but cities itself. There were a bunch of kings, and they broke out in war. This this usually happened all the time. It's one of those things where there was a conflict. There was always some something going on, okay? And there were kings that were joining forces uh, in groups against other kings joining in forces. And essentially what happened was that uh, when there were uh, kings that were fighting and essentially the, the kings of the armies of Sodom and Gomorrah, some were in the middle of battle, they fell into tar pits, and as we go further down, uh, they captured Lot, who was Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom, which we remember in, in the story, and they carried off everything he had owned. So one of Lot's men had escaped and told Abram of what had happened, and so they jumped in, and uh, I'm going to pick up at verse 14. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot, uh, verse 14 in Genesis chapter 14, when Abram heard that ne his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household, and then he pursued Kedorlamor's army until he caught up with them at Dan. There he divided his men and attacked during the night. Kedorlamor's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus, Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. So he was victorious. He was able to rescue his, his nephew uh, Lot and get him out of trouble, get him out of captivity. And we need to see that he did so with very little men, very few men. So uh, he was outnumbered, and he still prevailed in this particular battle. And God had blessed Abram. Uh, at that time because of his trust in the Lord and because he was trained, he was ready to go, he was ready to move as he needed to. And because it was typical at that time, apparently, that if you had some people with you, you need to make sure they were trained to get into scuffles and into battles with people because this thing about warring factions was taking place all the time back then. We just read about this account here in Genesis 14. So what happened after that? Go to verse 17. Let's go to Genesis 14, verse 17. After Abram returned from victory over Kedorlamur and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley. Verse 18, And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God, the most, God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine which would obviously be very refreshing and also it's a way of celebration for a victory. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Okay. And 
we'll stop there because it gets uh, a little bit more into what his encounter Abram's encounter with Sodom. But essentially, Sodom um, was trying to give something to Abram, and Abram didn't want anything especially from Sodom. And I think that that was uh, probably a clue there as far as uh, where Sodom was coming from, the king of Sodom was coming from, the type of town that he uh, had under him. So, and essentially he did not want to take anything from him. But he gave his offering to Melchizedek, who was the priest of God the Most High, uh, in the city of Salem. Now, let's look at who Melchizedek is a little bit more closely. This story is being told about Melchizedek because it's to show the Hebrews, the Hebrew Christians, the people there, that Christ, who is a representation here in Melchizedek, who that is essentially the manifestation by everything we're reading here, especially as we go further in verse 3 of uh, Hebrews 7, there is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning to or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. So there's no lineage. There's no past. There's no lineage as far as who Melchizedek is. We just know that he is the resemblance of the Son of God. He is representation, I will call that. A manifestation of the Son of God. Uh, in person, having this encounter with Abraham. Can you imagine what a blessing that truly is to have so many different encounters with the Lord? That's exactly what was taking place here. And who is Melchizedek again? His name represents king of justice. Well, who is Jesus Christ? He is the one who brings, ultimately will bring justice, isn't he? He is the name that we refer to uh, as bringing justice. He is going to be the one who has, the, will be the judge overall when it comes right down to it because God elevated him to that position after he died on the cross for us. He is the king of justice. And the king of Salem means king of peace. And who do we call Jesus Christ? He is the one who brings peace. Uh, peace I bring to you, um, not the peace that the world brings, but this is a totally different type of peace that he refers to when he uh, makes his uh, appearance on earth and he speaks to his people about that. And the king of Salem. Now, Salem, of course, is a, uh, a play on the town of Jerusalem. If you look at Salem, Jerusalem, uh, those names uh, are very similar. And so we look exactly at who is being represented here. We're talking about uh, a new heaven and a new earth where it's going to be Jerusalem as well, right? It, it has that name. So these are all things that we need to make reference to as we look at this more closely. The Hebrews were being taught something here. They were even being taught that Levi uh, ultimately is going to be the descendant of Abraham. And he was the descendant of Abraham. And, of course, the priesthood came up through him. But Abraham was giving to Melchizedek a totally different priesthood, a totally different recognition. And that's what we're looking at here greater, further down in the study. It's, it's a very, very interesting study because we need to understand that the Hebrews needed to be taught something. Remember, the Hebrew law, the Mosaic law, was all they had. It was everything that they were into. They were raised on it. They were trained in it. They had complete exposure to it. They had a lot of knowledge of it. But now here they're being taught, even embedded within that Mosaic law, that Jesus Christ ultimately is going to be the chief over all priests, over all things that they presided over in their lifestyle, in the way that they saw things, in the way that they took matters of sin to the priest. The priest had to ask for forgiveness for them 
for their sins. All of this was now being overshadowed and now being shown to be secondary to the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Melchizedek is the manifestation of this priesthood before them. They all can relate to who Melchizedek is, and so that's why we're having this conversation. The Levi priesthood, the priesthood under Levi, was inferior to Melchizedek's priesthood. Um, and so it's the priesthood under Christ. Now remember, we've been getting, we've been saying over and over again that Jesus Christ is the high priest. The high priest. The highest priest, frankly. He is the one that we look to. We do not need to go through intermediaries. We do not need to go through other priests. We certainly uh, have, we pay respect to and honor uh, the Lord, and we honor the Lord through the the people who are in charge in a church, the, the pastor, the elders, those people who are appointed, and they are chosen by God to usually lead in those positions. But we now understand that even those individuals, the pastor, the elders, everybody within the church, the deaconesses, the deacons, whoever the, the people are, we all serve Jesus Christ. He is our priest. He is our high priest. And that's what's being trained now and taught to the Hebrews. They are looking at this uh, with greater consideration. So Melchizedek was a priest of God the Most High. So he is to remain a priest forever. Even in the book of Psalms it says this. Go real quick to Psalm 110. Psalm 110. And I was kind of surprised by this because I had forgotten about this. But Psalm 110 this is also what Jesus has referred to as well, too, when speaking to people who are questioning him all the time uh, about who Jesus Christ truly was. And they were asking all kinds of questions. And it was after this series of questions that many of them just stopped asking because they didn't want to hear. <laughs> they, were, they really couldn't answer it because they knew what was written in Scripture. And this is in Psalm 110, a Psalm of David. I'm going to start, with, I'm going to start reading with verse 1. Uh, and go down to verse 4. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Remember, this is what David wrote. And that's the very thing that Jesus asked the people who were questioning him. Why would David write something like this? Because David is looking to something much greater than himself. That's why. Verse 2. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem... You will rule over your enemies. When you go to war, your people will serve you willingly. You are arrayed in holy garments, and your strength will be renewed each day like the morning dew. And then verse 4. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. Remember what we said about the Lord making a vow or taking, uh, a taking a vow and making a vow? It's an unbreakable vow. He keeps his word. It says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, right here in Psalm 110, verse 4. And I'll just add verse 5. The Lord stands at your right hand to protect you. He will strike down many kings when his anger erupts. And then it goes on from there. He's writing about Jesus Christ. Now, did David understand completely what he was writing? I doubt it. I don't think so. But guess what? This was inspired. This was God's inspired word that he had to write this stuff down. This is what was going on here. When he wrote this, he was writing about Melchizedek and writing about this great priesthood, a priest forever. 
Forever means forever, everybody. Forever means for all eternity. This priesthood that we're referring to, the high priest Jesus Christ, is indeed our priest forever. Thank the Lord that he gave us the ability to have salvation, that we can go to him and call him our high priest forever and ever because we trust and believe in him as Lord and Savior of our lives. Thank the Lord for what he did on the cross for us. And this priesthood even exceeds the priesthood that is written about in the Old Testament that we read about all the time. Levi and Aaron, that priesthood, they came down through Abraham, but we need to recognize that they had a role for their time to explain to people exactly what being uh, going through a priesthood really was and what it really meant to have uh, obedience in your lives and honoring the Lord and the priests were the ones who would help to intervene for them but ultimately who intervenes for us when it comes to our sins Jesus Christ intervenes for us uh, directly to God and he makes that it just says it right here in, in, in Psalm 110 sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies making them a footstool under your feet referring to Jesus Christ sitting next to who? the Lord the Lord said to my Lord, wow, I mean, that just says it all right there. So this priesthood we're referring to, I praise the Lord. I just praise the Lord for his teaching here. This is, this is great teaching. We, we want to make sure that the, the Spirit is speaking to everyone here within the sound of my voice about this great teaching of what God has set up for us and what he has given to us and what he has made available for anybody who is willing to take the opportunity to have that mustard seed of faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. He is the priest for us forever. He is, has been all taken care of us, taken care of for us. He's prepared a place for us. He wants to have fellowship with us. We have this relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we have to have Sunday school. That's why we have to learn about these things. This is why we have to have conversations about this. Messages and sermons are always going to have a place. There's always going to be importance for a message because the gospel must be taught. Billy Graham, every time he had a message, talked about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's always important to do that. It was something that was very important uh, to do. And it's always important. Charles Stanley does the same thing. Always gives a message about the gospel. Never should that ever stop. But Sunday school, this is where you get into the meat and potatoes here. This is where you get the gravy poured on top. This is all great stuff that we need to look at and make sure that we're understanding what this represents. Let's go back to Hebrews 7, verse 4. And again, the teaching continues to those Hebrew Christians who are paying attention. And I say uh, people who are paying attention. Understand something. This is written for everyone, and we need to understand that sometimes people just won't get it, and they won't try to get it. Well, if you don't get it, what should you do? Pray. You pray for understanding. You pray that the Holy Spirit gives you understanding. You pray that the Holy Spirit gives you information that helps you through these opportunities to understand what's going on. Verse 4, consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in the battle. Verse 5, now the law of Moses required that the priests, again, it's being given to them. The law of Moses required that the priests who are descendants of Levi must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel who are also descendants of Abraham. 
And the Jew, and the uh, the Jews knew this because they even tried to challenge Jesus with this. We are sons of Abraham. If you go down in John chapter eight, if we are sons of Abraham, and Jesus had to challenge them and say, "No, you are sons of the devil. You you are your children. You're the father is the devil." You might be throwing Abraham's name around, but you really weren't descendants of Abraham because you chose not to follow uh, the teachings of, uh, that, of, of God. You chose not to follow them. You're really just kind of using Abraham as, as for according to his name. Back to Hebrews 7, verse 6. Allow my mind to catch up. <laughs> A lot going on here, I know, right? Ooh. Verse 6, but Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promises of God. So look at the relationship here that's being discussed about what Abraham, Abraham already received God's promises. And we saw that. It started in chapter 12 of Genesis. It continued throughout, even in his encounter in Egypt with the Pharaoh when, you know, they were kind of digging on uh, Abraham's wife and Abraham kind of panicked and said, well, she's my sister and all that good stuff. But the, the Pharaoh and the people who were looking at Abraham's wife, Abram's wife at the time, uh, they started uh, having all kinds of problems, all kinds of illnesses, all stuff like that. So even there you saw how God was giving protection. God was giving protection to Abraham, um, Abram, Abraham. So verse 7, And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. So God had already given promises to Abraham of, that he would be a great nation. He would be a, a part of, a, of the father of a great number of people, as numerous as the stars are, as numerous as the, the grains of sand, whatever. The, and so the fact that Melchizedek blessed Abraham, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. Well, if Abraham, the lineage of the Levites and, and the Levites and all that comes through Abraham... Here's Abraham giving honor to another priest altogether, Melchizedek, who is not in that lineage. And so it's, it's now making another statement, affirming statement, that Jesus Christ, who is this manifestation of Melchizedek, is indeed the one that um, is of a higher priest, a higher priest than even the priests that we refer to in the Old Testament. Okay. Verse 8, the priests who collect tithes are men who die, so Melchizedek is greater than they are, because we are told that he lives on. Now that's again, we are told that he lives on. This is all about putting two and two together for the Hebrews, right? They're hearing this information. Who is Melchizedek? Who is this one person that Abraham had an encounter with back in Genesis chapter 14? He's a priest that lives on forever. That's why he's being mentioned so often here in this study. It's a reinforcement study being given to the Hebrews. Verse 9, in addition, we might even say that these Levites, the ones who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. Now, understand something. If the Levites, the priests, are people who live and die, and yet Abraham was giving honor to Melchizedek, who has no death in his lineage, we're talking about someone greater, aren't we? We're speaking about someone greater, someone in a different place, in a different area, a different lineage altogether, let's call it that, a different lineage altogether than those Levite priests. And then verse 10, 
For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. So this study is just talking about where did all the priests come from? They came down through Abraham. They came through his lineage. But yet he's giving honor to Melchizedek, who is a great priest, the high priest. Once again, Jesus Christ. That's the representation here. He was a priest of God in Salem, which is Jerusalem, Melchizedek, long before the nation of Israel and the regular priesthood began. So we're all talking about pre-Israel, pre-Jerusalem. But what was the representation being made? The king of Salem, which is Jerusalem, in its uh, previous state, before we look at who uh, the actual city of Jerusalem that we read about now in the time of Jesus, in the time of uh, Bethlehem, all that. And so we see this, this, this whole different priesthood coming through that David recognized in Psalm 110 that is being written about throughout the Old Testament and now being written about here in this teaching to the Jewish Christians. Who is our high priest? Jesus Christ. And so this whole study about Melchizedek is what we need to rep represent here. And next we will go even further, and we don't have time to do it today, but we're going to see where Jesus now, the correlations can be made to who Jesus really is. He was that priest, okay, Melchizedek. But we'll get to that next week, not to, get, uh, not to ruin the surprise. It's not really a surprise. It's, it's something we already know. <laughs> it's something we already know. It's, a, it's not really a surprise. But this is the teaching here that's taking place. Just like when, when you're in a, in a classroom, you've got to go step by step. You've got to go piece by piece, edge by edge here, and, and just look at the entire text. Look at the study. Look at what's being taught. Look and, and, you, and you learn it as you get exposed to it. And, and, and honestly, this is part of how we do our proper Bible study, right? You read something, you pray over it, you let the Spirit speak to you about it, and just let him teach you about God's goodness. Look at what he did to set up this royal priesthood for us. When we talk about a royal priesthood, we're talking about, we're talking about an order here. Just like a church has an order where you have a pastor and you have people under him, him the elders, and the people that come under all of those individuals, well, the pastor's high priest is Jesus Christ. There's an order that's taking place here. And that's what's being established even as we look at what's happening. So, Jesus' high priestly role was superior to that of any priest of Levi because the Messiah was a priest of a higher order. And that's what we read in Psalm 110, verse 4. Now, if the Jewish, we're going to go further down in the study here, and let's 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 do that. Let's before we get to, too far along here, in looking at the comments, go down now to verse eleven, Hebrews seven. So if the priesthood of Levi, on which the law was based, could have achieved the perfection God intended, then why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron? Well, it's plain. It's, it's simple. The priesthood of Levi and Aaron was imperfect. It wasn't perfect. Um, it, it, it had its role. It had a role of teaching the people, but it wasn't perfect. The, the perfect priesthood is the priesthood where even the priests 
had to give honor to God. They had to recognize who God was, and God was much greater than those priests. So we're using logic here. When we're talking about the Hebrews, everybody's talking about the great priesthood and following what they were doing, what they were teaching. Well, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, well, they weren't per- perfect. They did not achieve the perfection that God had intended. The perfection is in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. So verse 12, and if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. For the priest we are talking about belongs to a different tribe whose members have never served at the altar as priests. Do you get that? Jesus Christ didn't serve at any altar. He did not do anything of the sort. And verse 14, what I mean is our Lord came from the tribe of Judah and Moses never mentioned priests coming from that tribe because there were no priests other than the lineage of Jesus coming through. So we have to recognize that there is a big difference here. So this is a radical teaching for these Hebrew Christians. This is a radical teaching. Their old Mosaic law, they had to understand, was just the beginning of teaching of them, of the people. The beginning of conditioning of the people to recognize the importance of giving God the honor. And the priest had to be that representation for them because that's what God had called for. He had called for that. Um, to build the tabernacle, build the tent, do all those things. This is what we need to do. Uh, while you are honoring me, this is what you need to do. You need to have priests appointed. And Moses had set them aside. The Levites were the ones who would be in the priesthood. They were the ones who would be serving in the temple, in the tabernacle. That's exactly what was designated by God. And that was something that was put forth by him. But it was done in such a way to start the teaching of the people. Because you have to remember, they even had to be told how to give sacrifices. They had to be told how to honor God. They had to be told what was allowed to give for sacrifices, what was allowed to be given uh, for uh, to, towards the Lord for sin sacrifices or uh, whatever it was. And they had to be given the proper way to do these things. This was all part of a grand teaching that was taking place, but it was not the ultimate. The ultimate is that our high priest came through the tribe of Judah. That is something that we need to see here, and we're going to continue that further next week. But let's let's go further here and make sure that we're getting the proper comments done. If the Jewish priests and their laws have been able to save people, remember salvation is what we're talking about here. Why would God need to send Christ as a priest who came not from the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe, but from the tribe of Judah? The animal sacrifices had to be repeated and they were offered only temporary forgiveness. But Christ's sacrifice was offered once. And it offers total and permanent forgiveness. Now, do we need to go back to the Lord for forgiveness? Oh, absolutely. But we recognize that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. If we bring all of these issues with Him to him with sincerity because he knows that we are in the flesh... We need a sacrifice that's going to take care of our sins, past, present, and future. Thank the Lord for what he set up for us. This teaching of what the priesthood did, those animal sacrifices were repeated over and over and over again, generation after generation. They followed that, but yet we have a high priest that recognizes us once 
once dying on the cross, and it's all taken care of. Amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. And that's what we need to remember here for this teaching. The Hebrew Christians needed to see that this Melchizedek is a representation of a much higher priesthood than even Abraham. When we talk about the lineage of the priests that came down through him, the Levites. Under the new covenant, the Levitical priesthood was canceled in favor of Christ's role as high priest. There is no longer a need for animal sacrifices. There is no longer a need for priesthood. There is no longer a need for that room of the tabernacle. Remember, the, tur- the curtain was torn in two when Christ died on the cross. There's no need for that anymore. There's no need for the old priesthood. We have the priesthood directly through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Christ is our high priest, we need to pay attention to him. No minister, leader, or Christian friend can substitute for Christ's work and for his role in our salvation. Because remember, the priests in the Old Testament could not give us anything like salvation. Nothing like that. All they could do is be intermediaries for the moment to for forgiveness of sin. And God had to be the one that put together the vehicle for us to have eternal life, salvation through eternal life. Uh, that's something we need to see here and recognize. What a wonderful passage. What a wonderful study that this is. And they needed to see that this law that they were following, uh, it was not intended to make people get people saved or make them perfect. It just gave them a temporary reprieve from the condemnation of sin. Uh, Remember, uh, this is something that's very important for us to see here, uh, too. Um, Even in that priesthood, you know, Aaron and and as we go down to Eli and and how wicked his sons were, uh, when they were given this responsibility of the priesthood, they were very wicked. And Eli had no control over his sons and eventually... It got to the point where the sons were so bad, Hophni and Phinehas. Uh, they were so bad, the Lord had already made the decision he was going to take them out. That was written in Scripture. Uh, this is in First Samuel. You'll, you'll see that. It, you have to understand, this priesthood, there were imperfections anyway. The perfection for all of us, while the example was being set for the priesthood, the perfection for all of us is in Jesus Christ. And Melchizedek, who everyone could relate to, because it's written in Genesis, it's part of the Pentateuch, it's part of the original law. They all could relate to this, and they all knew who Melchizedek was, but now what the Hebrew writer here is teaching is that this Melchizedek is indeed going to be the manifestation of Christ. That's what we need to recognize here. That's why Abraham giving honor to Melchizedek, giving him a tenth, a tithe of, of all the things he captured in that battle, It shows a totally different approach now for these Hebrew Christians going forward. That's what we need to recognize here for our teaching. And look at how Abraham, how Abram slash Abraham, I keep saying that because his name was changed in the midst of all of this, how God blessed him because he trusted in the Lord. He trusted God. God blessed him. Was Abraham perfect? No. But all it takes is obedience. It starts with obedience and trusting that God's going to honor his promises. He wasn't perfect as he went about it, but God reminded him, yes, Abraham, you're going to have a child. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be the father of many nations. And that was the truth, and God honored that. 
may we remember that as we look at this study and look specifically at God's goodness and what Jesus Christ has done for us in teaching and showing us his goodness, his grace, his mercy. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to look at your word. We thank you for your loving kindness and your presence. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who helps us through in these moments where, Lord, we just want to learn more from you. We want to learn more about you. We want to learn more about these studies that we're doing. We want to learn more about this teaching about Melchizedek and who he is and who he represents. And we thank you, Lord, that by all accounts, when we read the scripture, he's a representation of you. And we thank you for showing us this in scripture. We thank you for showing us that there was no beginning or end in this priesthood that Melchizedek represents as the king of Salem. Thank you for what you're showing us here. Thank you for your teaching. Lord, bless us as we remember all of these things and remember how we need to just stop and just thank you moment by moment for what you're doing for us in our lives right now. We just thank you for your teaching. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for honoring us and affirming us as we honor you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of that. I really did. I really enjoyed this particular section. And guess what? We get to do it all again next week. (laughs) Get to do it all again and look at this study once again. Uh, Look further at this study of Melchizedek as we continue and then talk more about who Jesus is. Amen. Uh, Thanks for being here today. God bless you all. Uh, Spread the word. Sunday school is here and will always be here for as long as I'm around. So uh, I hope that you can join us and be with us again next week around uh, 930. And uh, tell your friends, God bless you all. Take care of yourselves. Make sure you stay online and look at Pastor Gus's message after and following right here in the timeline. Take care of yourselves and uh, we'll see you next time.